You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. So yeah, so we shouldn't be as fucking weird today. I'll probably be able to remember this podcast. Yes. <laughs> I'm not literally falling asleep as we're podcasting. That's true. That's a very good thing. I was so tired last week. Episode 15. 15. 15. That's fucking bonkers, though. That's crazy. We're very close to 20. I know. We're halfway to 30. And I'm not going to do any more math. (laughs) We're one third of the way to 45. (laughs) We're one tenth of the way to 150. I hate you. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> fuck. Okay. So, anyways, we're drinking back to seltzers today. Back to seltzers. Got some truly. Mm-hmm. Drinking some pineapples. Yep. Some pineapples. <laughs> I figured we'd both get a pineapple this time because we also still have that big pineapple on True. the fridge. So. Oh, you're smart. Using mm-hmm. that noggin of mine every once in a while. That noggin. That noggin is why you would be priceless on Supermarket Two. So true. Mm-hmm. That for anyone who needs to know, which is everyone, Supermarket Suite is on Netflix. You should fucking watch it because it's fucking Supermarket Suite. Look at all of the outfits and it's so bad. Glasses. I love it. Hair. So we'll just have the balance between Supermarket Suite and Love Island, mm. which is basically just as bad. All right, so um, yeah, episode fifteen. I'm Brittany Vitrina. I'm Martha Bartlett, and this is. But first, let's talk nerdy. Clink, clink. Just cans today. Nothing cans. fun. We didn't put them in our awful fun cups, but they are awful. They're awful and fun. It's awfully fun. We can keep. We can reserve those for when we have our special like champagne. Something a little morning. bit fancier than yeah, than random day. There's nothing special about today. Okay. Today, today, I, you, me, pointing, pointing at you, am talking about Kitana, the Mortal Kombat. Oh, she! That's bad. Oh, yeah. 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 So, no number one on Kitana, wear your fucking masks. Yes. She always wears a mask. And she's better than you. So. So wear a fucking mask. Or she'll beat you up. Or she'll fucking kick your ass. And I bet she can't even get coronavirus because she's not from Earth. So, like, if I wear a mask, can I still get beat up by her? Question. I mean... Just asking for a friend. I mean... <laughs> I'm sure it could be a rain. <laughs> just, just, you know, curious. <laughs> All right. I love Kitana. If you couldn't tell, I've cosplayed many versions of Kitana. Something is- like 40. <laughs> Basically, approximately 922 <laughs> versions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so sources today, Wikipedia, fandom, and then I read an article by Sage Negron, N-E-G-R-O-N, on CBR.com. So if you don't know, Kitana's from Mortal Kombat. If you, you don't, don't know what Mortal have, Kombat is, the Mortal Kombat song stuck in your head. <laughs> 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 
I read. I'll come back later. Because I do. I immediately do. So now everybody else has to. <laughs> Fuck everybody else. But if you don't know what Mortal Kombat is, I don't know what rock you're living under. And you should fucking fix that. So... <laughs> Call out Martha's uh, mom, Divi. You should play some Mortal Kombat. Do you think she would be shocked and horrified? Or do you think she would laugh as she, she got to cut people's heads off? I... I think she would be so bad at it that it wouldn't really matter. Do you think she would be shocked and horrified as she got her head cut off? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> and it would be your dad cutting her head off while laughing. Yes, but also he gets like carsick when he does fucking video games. Does he really? Absolutely. Oh, I'm never letting your dad down for that. Ever. <laughs> yeah, no. Like okay, be your brother cutting your mother's head oh, yeah. off while laughing and your mom would be horrified with all the blood spewing. Yes. I feel like she would not mind as much if it was Samba. Oh, that's fair. Because hmm. he's a dweeb. <laughs> Listener Sam, you're a dweeb. Yep. So Mortal Kombat is an American media franchise centered on a series of video games originally developed by Midway Games in 1992. The development of the first game was originally based on the idea that Ed Boon and John Tobias had of making a video game starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. But as that idea fell through, a fantasy-themed fighting game was created. Nonetheless, they pay homage to Jean-Claude Van Damme, obviously, with the nutcracking movie star, Johnny Cage. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. <laughs> also, so, so fucking perfect. Yeah. Jesus. It's so good. Mortal Kombat was the first ever fighting game to introduce a secret fighter reach if the player fulfilled a set of requirements. Ooh. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, the People original... I would never reach, let's be real. <laughs> it's true. Matt is really bad at video games. Yes, but I'm really You've talked about this other before. people for help. Or making them just play it. That's exactly what I mean. <laughs> you should be glad I like playing video games. <laughs> Help. The original game was uh, has spawned many sequels and spinoffs, consisting of several action-adventure games, as well as a comic book series, a card game, two amazingly awful movies, <laughs> an animated TV series, live-action TV series, and the first one million platinum-selling album, and a live-action tour. So... Big wow. deal, right? Yeah. yeah. Mortal Kombat has become the most successful fighting franchise in the history of video games and is one of the highest grossing media franchises of all time. It's because we all like violence. <laughs> <laughs> the series has a reputation for high levels of graphic violence, including most notably its fatalities. So which, funny. in case you guys don't know, those are the finishing moves allowing the player to finish off their defeated opponent, and they're always very gruesome. <laughs> Controversy surrounding Mortal Kombat in part led to the creation of the ESRB video game rating system. So it wasn't really a thing before. And then Mortal Kombat came out and it was so grotesque that they were like, we need to start oh, Maybe we should things. tell children not to Maybe things aren't just Tetris anymore. <laughs> and Pong. <laughs> it's Tetris, but you get to cut off somebody's head. Yes. There's blood spewing out of the blocks. <laughs> Alright, so early games in the series were also noted for their realistic digitalized uh, sprites. 
Yeah. And, and yes. And the intensive use of the palette swapping to recreate new characters. So like Kitana and mm-hmm. all the other female um, ninjas yes. and the male ninjas are all just that palette swap. Fair. So they could have a whole bunch of characters. I feel that in a big way. Yeah. And I mean, it's 1993, so they have to. <laughs> they're like, we want to have a bunch of characters, but this is too intense for us. Easy way, exactly. Make it a little bit easier. Exactly. Midway ended up going bankrupt, but Mortal Kombat and its development team ended up being acquired by Warner Brothers Entertainment and turned into the Nether Realm Studios. Mm. Ah. Whenever Martha does that, ah, it's because she doesn't actually care slash not really listening, but feels like she has to make a point. <laughs> or I say something, she's like, oh, but she doesn't actually have any idea. I just don't what have a I lot said. of reference for. Yeah, it's fine. But just so you know, I'm calling you out so everybody knows the fake noise. And you should know because when she is actually excited about something, it is a completely different no, noise. That's very fucking true. <laughs> Because I make a lot... If I'm, like, really fucking hyped about something, I'm going to, like, fucking shriek about it. <laughs> so, now on to my main babe. Kitana. Yes. Uh, she was introduced in Mortal Kombat 2, which was released in 1993. And I actually have very vivid memories of playing Mortal Kombat 2, I'm pretty sure it was, with my dad when I was little. And I was always Kitana. That's so cute. Yeah. That's really, really cute. So I think on the Super Nintendo, I'm pretty sure that's what it was for. Me and my dad used to play video games. That's really cute. I obviously can't do that with my dad because he gets car sick. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where my obsession started when I was like eight playing Mortal Kombat with my dad. (laughs) It's fine. That's really, that's that's the cutest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. Oh my god. Uh, and guess what, everyone? I didn't turn out to be a psychopathic murderer because video games don't do that. But you were so small. I was so small. Oh my god, small murdery. And then you're like, nah, that's not nah. what I'm doing. I'm just doing it for fun. Nah. So, like I said, introduced in Mortal Kombat 2, uh, released in 1993, but was, she's basically been in every game and most other media since her introduction. Kitana was received really well by her fans for her role in the franchise, evolving from one of the three female ninja palette swaps into one of the main protagonists of the series. <laughs> she's always known to wear her signature color of blue, from back when they first were just using the palettes. And then she always has her two fans as her main weapons. Fun facts about her creation. So Kitana's creator, John Tobias, disclosed that she started out as an unplayable Harold-type character called Kitsune during early development of the original Mortal Kombat game in 1991. His inspiration at the time was the character of Princess Mariko from Jordan Menger's 1984 video game Karateka, which I've never heard of. 1984. What fucking system is that? Is that like Atari Land? I genuinely don't know. Yeah, it must be something. You would know better than I would know. So, as the story changed while it was being pitched and they were figuring out, so did her character, but she always remained that warrior princess she was originally created as. And she actually ended up replacing Sonya in the first sequel, which is why she came in in two. And I don't believe Sonya's in uh, two because just by adding that mask and using that palette swap technique, they could 
easily have more female characters, which is how we got Melina, who is yes. purple, and Jade, who is green. Melina has all the teeth. Yes, which we'll get into a little bit. <laughs> so Mortal Kombat's co-creator and producer Ed Boon said Kitana's iconic kiss of death fatality was inspired by the demise of the villain Mr. Big in James Bond film Live and Let Die. So all of your shit is connected. All of my shit is colliding. <laughs> and then he added that it was actually his favorite finishing move of Mortal Kombat 2 and one of the best examples of their attempt to combine violent and humorous elements into their game. Mm-hmm. Her ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 slash the trilogy animality uh, this is where they're able to transform into animals. There's also babalities where they transform into babies. Huh. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> she transforms into a small killer rabbit, and it's a homage to Monty Python. Yes! And her non... Like, it's fine, and then you're like, oh, no, it's attached to my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's yep. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. It's not fine. And then her non-canon ending in the Mortal Kombat 2011 game, what she forms an alliance with Jade and Melina, and it's a reference to Charlie's Angels. Oh, that's mm-hmm. cute. I didn't know that. I like yes. that a lot. So, Boone described Kitana and Melina as the female equivalents of Scorpion and Sub-Zero, the series' two most iconic male characters with a fierce rivalry of their own. Kitana has since become one of the most recognizable Mortal Kombat characters alongside Scorpion, Sub-Zero, and then, of course, the official protagonist, Liu Kang. 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 <laughs> Manga. <laughs> She's also often rated as one of the best characters to choose to fight as, as she's fast and well-rounded with attacks. Mm -hmm. As a professional button masher, I don't mind playing as Katana because it is fucking fun. And I usually don't do terribly. Yeah. You know. So baller. Yeah. I'll only play as female characters. Yes, I usually, there's always the like one or two males that I like, but Mm -hmm. I'm always usually the female character. I find they may not be as strong, but they move quicker and they're, they bounce around more. Yeah. And I just want to be a female kicking your ass. So, so we're going to move on to how she's a badass in the games and all her game shit. All her game shit. So, Princess Kitana is 10,000 years old, but is considered young in her realm of Edenia. I didn't look up how to say it. <laughs> and I meant to, because I was like, you're going to have to say it a lot, and you're going to sound stupid if you say it wrong. E-D-E-N-I-A. Edenia. 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 Oh man, rough. It's definitely Ed and I. Uh, <laughs> That's super annoying. Uh, I'm just gonna call it Ed, Ed and Eddie. <laughs> pretty fucking close. It's right on the money. <laughs> okay, so um, she has the appearance of a young woman, even though she's 10,000 years old. It's kind of like how Chibi Moon is like 900 and she looks. You know, four. like a baby. Okay, so she is the daughter of late King Jared and Sindel. Her father was murdered by Shao Kahn, took over the realm, and married her mother. Side note, her mom is dead right now. Though for a while she didn't know any of this. She thought she was adopted by Shao Kahn, had a twin sister, Melina. <laughs> and then I said, This brings a whole new meaning to eat your twin in the room because of her fucking teeth. <laughs> 
But also question. Yes. Her dad's name is Jared. Yeah, J-E-R-R-O-D, but sometimes it's only spelled. Okay. I was thinking like J-A-R-E-D, no. like every dumb bro. But, but sometimes it's only spelled with one R, so sometimes it's just J-E-R-O-D. That's fair. It's um, old timey. It works. Yeah. I just don't want it to be Jared, who I went to fucking middle school with. <laughs> Isn't that a jewelry place in Massachusetts? Jared. <laughs> What's that like? Oh, slogan for 2020 about screaming on the inside. (laughs) Um, So yeah, Melina, twin sister, eating her in the room, and her best friend Jade. So throughout the years, she rose to great importance first as a loyal stepdaughter of Shao Kahn, then as his enemy, tearing herself away from his grasp and freeing her home realm of Edda Nedi. Um, <laughs> she also led an army into Outworld to combat any chance of Shao Kahn rising to power again. I'm just calling it Edda Nedi. No, I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's what's gonna happen. Okay, so originally Kitana was cold, arrogant, and a ruthless assassin who served Shao Kahn dutifully. However, after meeting with Raiden and Liu Kang, Kang, (laughs) Kong, you know, after meeting King Kong, I I almost banged on my chest and I was like, you're a microphone. So after she met with them, she ended up starting to realize, oh, I'm actually not as awful as Shao Kahn is telling me I am, and starts to give way into a kinder, more selfless, and more noble personality. She was loyal to Shao Kahn for most of her life, uh, but she does eventually betray him, and she aligns herself with the Earth Realmers, which is Liu Kang, Sonya, Johnny Cage, etc., the humans, basically. Yeah. And her betrayal was mainly the result of growing doubts as the morality of her actions resulting in feelings of guilt, as well as anger at the discovery about the truth of her past and her true father, the late King Jared. And then she also finds out that Melina is actually a mutant hybrid clone of her who was there to spy on her and that Shao Kong made her in fear that Kitana would betray him, womp womp, because she does, um, (laughs) and would then kill her and take her place. I mean, it sucks that you're right, but also you made yourself right. <laughs> you kind of made yourself right. Question mark, question um, And she actually ends up having a thing for Liu Kang, which probably helps her be like, oh. Okay, so all this personal growth, change, and realization happened in Mortal Kombat 2. And then in a semi-canon spin-off game, Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks, which came out in 2005... Kitana was found to be no longer loyal to Shao Kahn, and because of this, she ended up being placed in a spell-induced trance, forced to fight the Earthrealm heroes, Melina, and Jade, before being freed by her bae, and then Kung Lao as well. He was also there. He was there, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> Not bae. Doesn't matter. Third wheel weird stuff. <laughs> Very true. Like, sorry, I it's came like, on your date. How how did you get this hot chick? Do you see her? Uh, I don't know. I still don't know. That's still a question I ask every time I play Mortal Kombat. Um, eventually, the sisters in parentheses there clash, and Kitana, because at this point, Kitana basically hates Melina, ends up slaying Melina. Eat your twin in the room. 
Except they're not really twins and no. Selena is a clone with weird teeth. It's all fine. It's fine. If you squint, this still works. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even have to squint in Mortal Kombat 2 because they are the same design except one's purple and one is blue. <laughs> Jade has a slightly darker skin tone. So this is how we enter Mortal Kombat 3, which came out in 1995. So the Shaolin Monks came out. Ten years after, but was kind of filler of what happened. Uh. So, Kitana is put on trial for treason after killing Melina, but before a verdict or a sentence could be reached, Kitana escaped with the uh, the Earthrealm heroes, and she joined them to free Zindel, who she now remembers as her mom. Oh, and she was resurrected and used by Shao Kahn to invade Earth, which is why they're going to save her. Zindel was? Yes. Okay. Just Sindel's also hot. Yes. Anyways, after convincing Jade to join her, Kitana located and freed Sindel from Shao Kahn's mind control, leading to his defeat at the hands of Wukong. Kitana, Sindel, and Jade then liberate Ed and Nettie from the outer world. So, even though they defeated Shao Kahn, this uh, win is short-lived, unfortunately, during the events of Mortal Kombat Gold, which came out in 1999, the fallen elder god Shinnok and his grand vizier, Quan Chi, escaped imprisonment in the nether realm and invaded Ed and Nettie. Kitana, Zendal, and Jade are taken prisoner. Kitana ends up managing to escape, leaving... Jade and Sindel, I guess. And uh, she rejoins her Earthrealm allies and eventually defeats uh, Shinnok's force. With Ed and Eddie freed once again, Kitana mm-hmm. ends up pr- uh, proposing to... <laughs> Clearly, that was a Freudian slip of I think it proposed! My bad! <laughs> And he freed your boyfriends. Don't listen to this iPod. This iPod. Don't listen to this podcast. Don't listen to this. I don't possess you. Chris Evans, you are a person. I don't own you. I don't possess you. I just want you in our... <laughs> just be in my vicinity, please. We can even wear masks and stay six well, feet away from each other. I don't want to get fucking COVID. I don't know, Chris Evans. Evans. If you want to give me COVID, it's fine. Okay. What if I get it? I'm going to be mad. Mad! What if you can lick his abs? Mm. <laughs> Things. Oh. I'd have to think about it in the fucking moment. Oh my god, I'm going to throw you out the window, except for obviously not, because I am a weak baby. Ugh, fuck. I only possess a cat, and she mostly possesses me because it's she's true. Yours. Chris Evans, you're your own person. Yeah. Anyways, so Kitana proposes to her bae, Lou. 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 Or do you? Oh, I can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> She proposes to her bae, being like, hey, rule Ed and Ed and Eddie with me. You could be the king, I could be the queen, but the actual ruler. Also, I love a boss lady who is the one who proposes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, she knows he's like a good person and yeah. isn't like power hungry, so she knows she can trust him with that. 
And he ends up reluctantly rejecting her just because he knows that his true duty is to actually be Earth's champion. And then I said, it's okay, Kitana, I'll marry you and I'll Mm. be your bitch. It's fine. I already said you could beat me up. (laughs) We did go there. (laughs) So after uh, Shinnok's defeat, Kitana captures Melina, who's somehow alive again. I don't know. Death in video games is apparently like death in comics. Cool. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) See episode whatever the fuck that number was. Kitana captures Melina, like I said, because she's alive somehow. And uh, she ends up learning that Shao Kahn has survived his defeat in the Earth realm. Because once again, death means nothing in video games. Like this it doesn't comment. bitch won't die. And was hiding out to regain his power. It made me think of like Voldemort. Mm. Yeah. Because I'm reading Harry Potter. <sighs> and everybody in Harry Potter is a big giant fucking asshole bully. <laughs> It's fucking true. I stand by that. That's true. <laughs> so knowing that he would attempt to reclaim the throne once he was strong enough, she forged an alliance with Goro, the prince of the outworld race Shokan, to help defeat her when Khan's forces came full throttle. So I want to do a little side note here. Khan isn't a name. So his name is Shao. Khan is a title. And it's the title given to the ruler of the Outworld Empire, functioning as the emperor of all of the regions in its entirety. That's just a little side note, because it ends up popping up. So even when Shao Kahn took over Ed and Nettie, he actually took over all of the Outworld. Ah. Yeah. All right. Anyways, next up, Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance, which came out in 2002. Kitana led a preemptive strike against Shao Kahn's forces, only to learn that he had been slain by unknown assassins. Leaving her fight was over, she began a journey back to Ed Ed and Eddie, but encountered Kung Lao, who warned her that Quan Chi and Shang Tsung had formed an alliance to kill her bae, Lu. Hmm. And Shao Kahn, before attempting to revive Onaga, the Dragon King. Ooh, baller. Since the poor girl can't catch a goddamn fucking break, mm. Hitana rejoined the Earth Realm warriors and led them into battle. During the assault on Shang Tsung's palace, she faced Quan Chi, but was outmatched and killed alongside a lot of her allies. Shortly after, they were resurrected, shocking, and magically enslaved by Onaga, who sent Melina to impersonate Kitana, is she still around, mm-hmm. as princess of Ed, Ed, and Eddie. When everybody was killed and Kitana was brought back, uh, Lou was one of the people who were killed. Just so you know. So the next sentence makes sense when I say it. Uh, Hard so, bummer. <laughs> unbeknownst to anyone at the time, her bae, his spirit, was able to um, remain amongst the living due to his bond he shared with Kitana. That true love bullshit. I don't know. I hate or that. some weird Marvel cat bullshit where he's just like in limbo. And Ooh, I'm just hanging out being a ghost like a dickhead. I don't think he was a ghost. Oh, that's so much lamer. I would be like, I'm going to fuck up your curtains. But he's a t- He didn't actually die because he's... Because of some shit. Not, no, mean, no, that's fair. That is some Marvel bullshit. 
<laughs> All right. Anyways, that bullshit. The clone of Zor. A joke for just me. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's cool. So yeah, true love, whatever. Attached to Kitana, weird bond, even though the bitch turned her down, but whatever. Double whatever. So he found himself a new ally and a friend. His name was Ermac. I have no idea who that character is, by the way. As the two embarked on a mission to save their allies and eventually succeeded. While traveling back to Edda Nettie, Kitana encountered Blaze. And Blaze warned her of coming danger that threatened all the realm and advised her to assemble the forces of light to avert it. Wary of the constant battle, Kitana was disheartened and probably really fucking tired, but Blaze assured her that wars would soon be over. So, Kitana, who just probably wanted a really long nap like I took today. Oh, that was the thing I was going to say. <laughs> I was like, oh, wouldn't it be really nice? I mean, if you're 10,000, just take a 100-year nap. Fuck all this shit. Sleep through it. But obviously, I am not a, like, protector of the realm or whatever. Because I would be like, "Mm, I... I know you guys texted me about saving things and stuff, but I kind of basically looked at it and then forgot about all of that world. Like, she and and Edda, especially Edda and Eddie. So, like, she's like, fuck. She has to really commit. Fuck. That blows, bro. Can you imagine being... So, no. And I think she's the only child, so she's all there is. And yeah. this world isn't misogynistic, so a girl can rule it. Oh, well. Which is great, but I don't want it to be me. So much work. <laughs> okay. So she ends up returning in 2006. I'm assuming she takes a two-year nap because she deserves it. <laughs> and is accompanied by her base spirit, who apparently is just floating around her. <laughs> and uh, they, <laughs> and <they're laughs> oh, this is the picture. This is you, and this is Spiegel. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's I'm good. About yes. It. They're basically trying to figure out how to get him back in his body because without her, I don't know, I guess he'll cross over and be actually dead or something. Mm, Bummer. Magical true love blonde. Blonde. Magical true love blonde. Magical true love blonde. Neither of them are blonde. Magical true love blonde sounds like a magical girl show that I would probably watch. Oh, yes, it does. So later they met with this bro called... Nightwolf, who offered to relieve Kitana of her burden by taking her bae's soul into himself, allowing her to fight against the coming evil. Kitana dies again, though, along the rest of her allies. So she didn't go with the thing because why bother? Yeah, you know, whatever. That was fair. Okay. Mortal Kombat versus DC comes out in 2008. And it's not canon, but it kind of puts some, like, wrap-up on the end of it, because the next game is basically a reboot of the series. Hmm. So, yeah. So, it basically just supposed to, like, Kitana ends up in a, in a different dimension, and blah, well, yada, yada, yada. But now we go into Mortal Kombat 11. So, this is a new rebooted timeline of Mortal Kombat, and it's basically a retelling of the events of the first three Mortal Kombat games. But in the original, Kitana wasn't in the original Mortal Kombat, so they did give her a story in the original Mortal Kombat. Right. 
two. Uh, she yes. came in. Yeah, she two. came in in two. But they did give her a story in the first part of the Mortal Kombat reboot. Just it was just Mortal Kombat. 2011, which is what it's referred to. It was a long, uh, one long game that smushed one through three together, apparently. Kitana and Jade are sent by Shao Kahn to compete in a Mortal Kombat tournament. Kitana battles uh, Liu Kang for the first time, meeting him again. It, it's an attempt to ensure that he won't reach the final stages because he's like the number one person they're looking at, <laughs> but ends up being defeated. She expects basically no mercy and that he'll kill her because it is Mortal Kombat. Um, right. But uh, he surprises her by sparing her. Mm. And, you know, good call because she ends up being your girlfriend and you will never get anyone like Itana ever again. That was just fucking luck, bro. Some Peter Parker shit. <laughs> Which he somehow managed to do twice. And with Felicia Hardy on the side. Yeah. I feel like that's solidly three times. That's Ugh. fair. Ugh, what a dickhead. Seriously. Ruining... <laughs> Not ruining, but, like, taking all of the girls that I would date. <laughs> you know, if I was fictional, which I'm not. Are you sure? Ooh. <laughs> oh. So, later during the second tournament, which is would be Mortal Kombat 2, Kitana is approached by Raiden, who informs her about her supposed past as Shao Kahn's daughter, and is like, hey, it's a fucking lie, bitch. He's been lying to you. So now she's plagued with adults. <laughs> I knew where you were going. Doubt. I was just so into the fact that it says plagued because I would never say plagued by doubts. That's clearly a quote. Plagued by doubts. She's plagued with dolts. <laughs> what does that even mean? Idiots. I mean, that is fucking true. <laughs> she's definitely plagued by morons. Uh, but yes. Have you seen the Earth Realmers she's fucking how she hangs out with? Hard side eye. So being plagued by doubts and dolts, she infiltrates Shang uh, Shang Tsung's flesh pit and discovers a, a newly created Melina. So I can only guess that I don't know the whole twin backs. It like they, they just got, remake her whenever yes, they need her. Literally, I'm guessing they got rid of the twin backstory mm-hmm. and maybe, or maybe she is a twin. But Melina's have expiration dates, so then they just make new ones. With some the old like ones Venture Brothers twins things, when whenever they like die in some stupid yeah, version. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't look. At, I don't care enough to look. So that, mm-hmm. I just assume that after like you know two years, they expire and they have to make a new one. <laughs> no, we didn't check the expiration date yeah. on this one, and her teeth why, are falling why, out. It's really gross. Why is her teeth falling out? Ew, no. <laughs> Is that a clump of her hair? <laughs> oh no, she's past her prime. Well, what do we do? Put her in the oven? Not the <laughs> oven, like a fire thing. Burn? A kiln? Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> Something uh, with fire. So, <laughs> so she ends up finding this out and she goes to Shao Kahn. And she's like, look what Shang Tsung is doing. He's attempting to replace me with this bitch that I thought was my twin sister, but apparently has a two-year expiration date, and he just keeps making more. (laughs) And then she ends up finding out, shockingly, (gasps) that it's actually Shao Kahn who's um, ordering Melina's creation anyways. What a dickhead. Bastard. Not surprising. So he imprisoned Kitana because she found shit out and was like, hey... 
I'm going to execute you as kings do because you found out too much. Because that's what kings do. No, that's fair. So she ends up being freed by her bae. Bet. Who's a person again. Not just a spirit hanging around her. And she and Jade escape to the Earth Realm to join their new allies against the Outworld forces. They assist in the Battle of the Earth Realm, but are killed once again alongside several other warriors by Kitana's corrupted mother, Sindel. But like in the original game, she is one of the warriors that is resurrected by Quan Chi in the Nether Realm to battle Raiden. And this is where you, you saw me play. I did. Didn't I fucking refer another game back to Resident Evil at one point? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, it's the only game. That yeah, I so Mortal know. Kombat 11, you know how there's like the evil Shadow World, whatever yes. version of her. So they're called um, Revenants. Revenants. Right. So in Mortal Kombat 10, which came mm-hmm. out in 2015, Kitana returns as one of Quan Chi's Revenants. She fights Jax and Cassie Cage in this in the game story mode, but I don't think she's an actual playable character, though. Following Quan Chi's death and Shinnok's defeat, she and the Revenant of her bae, Liu Kang, who's obviously also apparently dead and be- mm-hmm. also became a Revenant, end up ruling the Nether Realm, which is what we see. Yes, right, 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 right. She's wearing those like cute little bum things. She's cute as She's shit. So cute. All right, Mortal Kombat 11, 2019. Kitana's Revenant aligned herself with the Keeper of Time, Kronika. After the latter promised gotcha. her a timeline without Raiden. As a result of Kronika's actions, however, a past version of Kitana and uh, Lo Kang were brought to the present, which is what we saw. They traveled to the Earth Realm to find out what's happening because they just came out of a random part of time and they're like, what the fuck is happening? And she stays in the outworld to find that Shao Kahn, who's also been brought to the present, is obviously trying to take everything over. So she ends up aligning with the um, new outworld emperor, Kotal Khan, and Kitana forged alliances with the outworld, uh, outworld factions just because she's desperate that Shao Kahn doesn't take over again. And like I said, they're out of time. They don't really know what's happening. So they're just trying to figure it out. So Kitana personally defeats and memes Shao Kahn herself. She Bitch, yes. destroys him, kills him. I remember playing that part and probably squealing really loudly yes. with you and Bethany. And Kotokan, who was crippled during battle, ends up appointing Kitana, the new Khan of the Outworld, in recognition of her skills in combat and uh, diplomacy, and then he ends up dying. So, real simple right there, Kitana becomes the motherfucking Khan. She becomes Kitana, Kitana Khan, Khan, which oh! is fucking amazing. Also, it's so awesome. They should make their next Mortal Kombat con, uh, convention. Kitanacon. That would be the cutest thing in the world. Oh my god, I love it. Just saying. Alright, so after Kunika kidnaps Kitana and her bae and her outworld army, they go to fight her until Raiden ends up merging with Lukan's past self and his revenant to become Fire God Lukan. Sorry, remember that. And as the rest of her allies fought off Kronika's forces, Kitana joins him in breaching 
Kronika's little lair, but she ends up reversing time for everyone except Lukong, so he has to end up fighting everyone on his own. Bummer. All right. So the game has three endings. There's a, a bad ending, a good ending, and a great ending. In the trailer of Mortal Kombat Aftermath, which is an add-on to Eleven, which actually just came out this June, ends up going with the good ending. So uh, what the good ending was, Pranika completely fucks up the timeline, and the good ending is really the only ending where they have the ability to reverse it or fix it, so it makes sense that they would go with the good ending. The good ending happens when the player defeats Kronika, but still loses one round to her. So there's like three rounds if you lose one and then you win two. Ah. Despite winning, Liu Kang must restore history on his own because a now mortal Raiden has lost his power and Kronika reverted history too far in the beginning of the battle to bring back other allies. The best ending, or the great ending, which isn't what the canon is, is cute, though. Even though Raiden is still mortal, Liu Kang ends up being able to reunite with Kitana. But the crown that um, Kronika, she's wearing this crown that allows her to go back and forth in time, ends up getting destroyed. So there's no way for them to get back in time. So he reunites with Kitana, and uh, they're basically just both bow to each other to create a new timeline together. Aww. Yes, so that's yes. the best ending, but that's not the ending they chose. So I haven't played after Aftermath. I don't think Kitana's actually in it that much, but I know one of the biggest things about Eleven and Aftermath add-on was just so that you could see a lot of long-time dead characters come back and you could have a chance to play uh, as them. And it's also just like... It's a way for them to almost sort of reboot the timeline, but maybe go in a slightly different direction as opposed to just following the same timeline as before. It also could lead to some kind of a prequel of the game because it has to do with, like, uh, the old... The story of, like, Mortal Kombat was, like, Wukong's ancestor or something of... It was evil. Convoluted nonsense. Yeah, and that's what you go back to, like, defeat and fuck and try to, like, fix and everything. So it could be, like, a prequel game leading into a new thing. But, yeah, so I don't know. That's... I, like I said, didn't play that part. But Kitana, best babe. Kitana Khan! Yes, and that's basically, I don't care what you do in the new games, but you better fucking make her Kitana Khan again, because honestly, she's the only one competent enough to do it in all Mortal Kombat characters, so just let her do it. Sounds fair. badass. I love her so much. She is amazing. It's amazing that in the early 90s, when it was hard for, even though she is looked at at as a sex symbol for Mortal Kombat, she was still received so well that she is one of the most known characters of yeah. Mortal Kombat. And she was the one that was like, okay, well, we're going to make them separate. Like, they're not just three ninjas with the same palette anymore because we need Kitana to be different because people like her. Nice. So awesome. That is Kitana, badass bitch, Mortal Kombat. Boss ass bitch. Yeah. Fuck yeah. next evolutionary leap in the Thunderverse has arrived. The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling in a half hour. What? The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling in a half hour. What? Every show. What? 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 What?
You come up around here wetting in sexy Thor's yard like he's anything but the hammer swinging, burrito eating, mic blazing, marking out but never tapping out Lord of Thunder, like you would do anything but sit down, open your ears, and take in the Ring of Thunder wherever you find your podcasts, like you would find any other podcast in the Thunderverse or the ESO Network. Okay, what is my topic today? What the fuck is your topic today? What the fuck am I even talking about today? (laughs) Where are we? Where are we? We are in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I am talking about fan fiction and a history of, and also in defense of. Oh, God. So, to start with a quote. Oh, God. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of that in this podcast. It's fine. I don't feel bad about this or embarrassed, so it's fine. This is a quote from Henry Jenkins, who wrote a book called Convergence Culture, which I did not read, but I stole this quote from (laughs) (laughs) Fandom, after all, is born of a balance between fascination and frustration. If media content didn't fascinate us, there would be no desire to engage with it. But if it didn't frustrate us on some level, there would be no drive to rewrite it or remake it. If it didn't fail us on a constant basis. Bam, that's true. All right. Endgame. So many things. Our entire fucking lives are failures. Okay, so our sources today. We've got a website called Fanlore. There was Wikipedia, obviously. I used Archive Bible for their own and some of their earlier graphs. Uh, there was an article called Shippers, Rex, and OTPs, A History of Fan Fiction by Rachel Rosenberg. From Star Trek to Fifty Shades, How Fan Fiction Went Mainstream by Michaela Clements. Also, don't read Fifty Shades. Yes. It's a waste of time. It's okay. We're going to get into Okay. It. I have plenty to say about that in Twilight. I'm hyped. Because I've read those books. <laughs> um, and then None of This is New, an oral history of fan fiction by Jordan West. So, first things first, we aren't touching any real person fan fiction because that's fucking creepy. And we aren't touching any of the like toxic fan shit because there was a lot of it. And I just didn't want to go into it. I wanted to go into the fun parts of this. Yeah. So Wikipedia basically defines uh, fan fiction as a fictional text written by fans of any work of fiction where the author uses copyrighted characters, settings, or other intellectual properties from an original creator as a basis for the writing. It can range from a couple sentences to, like, basically a fucking novel. Some of them go bonkers crazy amounts of time and are still going and have been going for years, and that's just the way it is. Fans can both keep uh, creators' characters or settings or add their own. Uh, so fan fiction is a form of fan labor. Uh, it can be based on any fictional subject. Like I said, we're not touching non-fictional shit. Because but quick note there. Mm-hmm. None of us care about your self-inserted character. No, that's true. <laughs> Just throw that in there. None of us, we're reading this because of a certain pairing or topic of characters that we already love. We don't care about your self-inserted character. To be fair, if you want to write that shit, there's That's nothing fine. saying you can't. But, but also, most people aren't going to want to read it. Just tag so it just, appropriately yeah. so I can get away so with it. So I know not to read That's it. That's not what I'm here for. But yeah, it can Keep be it for like, yourself. Literally fucking anything. So books, movies, video games, commercials. There's some fucking 
Like literally any goddamn nonsense. Commercials. Hmm, true facts. Not things that I'm reading. That looks like a judgy face. And now I'm just thinking of people writing like Mentos fanfic. Geico. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody just wants to rail the Geico lady. Oh, Geico is a gecko. I think you're thinking of like fucking Ooh, progressive. Uh, progressive. I am. Oh no. Well, thankfully, we just introduced bestiality oh, to our podcast. It's fine. Which is a which is a topic in fanfic. I don't think I'm go there today, but that's okay. But apparently, that's we can't. We can. We're all adults here. This yeah. is a 18 and over podcast. Yeah. If you are under 18, don't tell us. Fuck off. Or just hit the like, I am, I am 18, 18 plus. Which we all did on adultfanfiction.com when we were about 12 years old. Hard click. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So fanfiction. Um, obviously, this is a pretty fucking loose definition, but not necessarily a wrong definition. So, uh, looking at these, it's one of those looking back that, like, fucking everything is fanfiction. Yeah. All of the famous shit that's out there is fanfiction. Mm-hmm. Dante is Inferno. So, so that's what it started as. Blah, blah, blah. The story is that, yeah. mostly. It's stuff where you took somebody else's characters and you made it your own. Like I said, Dante's Inferno. Fucking Bible fanfiction. The Aeneid is just, like, you wanted to get in your... Greek epic poems nonsense. And then fucking Shakespeare is literally all fan fiction. Uh Shakespeare would be very, very epic on AO3 these days. Especially since he's all about those dick jokes. But yeah, like, Romeo and Juliet is just Pyramus and Thisbe rewritten with also a bunch of other nonsense that's fucking thrown in. That makes it extra dramatic, like fan fiction. Exactly. Pyramus wrongly thinks that Thisbe is dead and their families hate each other. There's another one that's uh, Ephesiaca, and there's a lot of similarities because they have a potion that is like almost like a death-like sleep. And then literally, this is a thing I didn't know, but uh, the names fucking Capulet and Montague together are taken from Dante's Purgatorio. Capulet and Montague. It's taken right from the fucking text. Way to be a little bit original. Fan fiction is like a shady family tree that keeps expanding and expanding and expanding from the free original plot that we once had. (laughs) (laughs) Capulet the fourth. (laughs) (laughs) So where the fuck did this idea of fan fiction come from? Clearly Shakespeare. Um, since people have been stealing characters and ideas since forever and ever. So it wasn't an idea until copyright came about. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so basically Star Trek is where modern fanfiction came mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. Um, so modern fanfiction as an interaction between fans and as an expression of fandom was popularized and defined via the Star Trek fandom and their fanzines, which were published in the late 60s. I know, fanzines, back in the day. So the first Star Trek fanzine that's, like, well-noted was called Spockanalia. Um, and it came out in 1967. And basically... being one of the first people to write a, like, what is now known as fan fiction. Yeah. It's bonkers. Well, and also... so really my dad. That's so cute. <laughs> I like that idea a lot. Um... <laughs> 
Well, and also, so, like, it was not only fan fiction in this fanzine. There was a lot of also, like, facts about Spock that you couldn't find anywhere else because you couldn't just fucking Google anything. Oh, so yeah. So I was like, okay. What the fuck did we do before the internet? Literally one of my notes in here, even though we haven't always had the internet, it's hard to remember a time where I couldn't just look up a character's height or what was their mother's name or what alien thing their species does or whatnot. Do you know how inaccurate fanfiction must have been before? God, yes. And who were you writing fanfiction for? Mm. How did anyone read it? They sent it around through mailing lists, and they brought it to conventions, and you would buy it there. I fucking know. No, this reminds me of... So cool and bonkers. Of your podcast with fucking Homestyle Wanna. Homestyle Wanna. Where mail-in checks. <laughs> but yeah. But in the 60s. Like, how you would fucking get... Like, things in the 60s, you would probably mail somebody a check, and then hopefully they wouldn't steal your fucking money, <laughs> and they would send you, and like... And there was no, there was no repercussion back then. No, there's there no... There was no fail plan where you're like, PayPal, this bitch didn't send me my yeah, item, give me my money back. I remember sending out a check for $5 for a little cat doohickey from a cereal box that never got to me, and somebody stole my fucking $5. Yeah. Bad story. <laughs> but yeah, so Spockanalia was like it was kind of a big deal and it had a lot of the facts about Spock and like what their species is about and things like that. So in it came out in 1967. In 1968, Gene Roddenberry, the creator of fucking Star Trek, uh said that it was required reading for every new writer on uh the original series. How did they get all these facts? Some of them were made up, and then some of them they talked to people at conventions, and like they have quotes from the actors, and some of them are quotes that are like in character. And that is like that. so much effort. It's a huge Thanks. amount of effort. Not that I write fanfic or ever really wrote fanfic because mm-hmm. I'm not a writer, but I would definitely not do it if I yeah. put that much effort into it. But yeah, like the things where Google. like there's um so in Spockanalia it says that Spock has no other siblings and they worked really hard to continue that fact. So later on when Spock does have a sibling, he's like a half sibling and no one knows about him, including Kirk. Can you imagine if you wrote this random fanfic and then the creators were like You know you're great yes. and I'm gonna fucking sign up. I for hope this you shit. got paid. Mm-hmm. This wasn't, like, just one fanfic. This is a collection of a bunch of fucking fanfics and, like, fan poems, fan writings, fan essays. Like, to find one of these. Yeah, if he ever... Yes! Star Trek fanfics back in the 60s and 70s. Yes, please do. I would really, really like to hear about that. And then, yeah, so that culture stayed more or less the same as far as fanzines went and going to conventions and picking up them up there and getting like like when email came around you had email lists but it was still like you're sending shit through the mail and then the internet fucking came around thank god i don't know what we would have done without the internet because i'd have to write all my own fan shit when i was fucking like seven Mm -hmm. so i don't have to think about it yeah so fanfiction.net was created oh, in 1998. Oh. I know, right? So they also had web rings. 
which uh, for the uninitiated were a collection of websites where at the top of the website there would have like a link backwards and a link forwards to whatever like is in this web ring, um, different websites, and then it would all be collected by the person on top. This is before like Google, right? Yes. I didn't look that one up. I'm assuming. I don't. Yeah, no. You had to. You had to do some serious fucking work back then. Yeah, like you needed web browsers. You needed. You needed the site. Yeah. Oh my god, Google. It's it's bonkers. (laughs) I've never appreciated Google so much in my life than this moment. And I appreciate Google all the time. So (laughs) this is a big fucking deal. Yeah. No, it's it's a huge fucking deal. The amount of like effort and work that had to be put in for people to fucking read like 12 different papers is bonkers. I don't even like searching through the pages to find <laughs> when I have 40 tags so I get exactly what I want. I'm still like, oh no, next page. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to come back to a lot of this shit, but also I thought we would have a quick foray into some of the important fanfic uh, fandoms that aren't Star Trek. So X-Files yep. um, had a huge fandom online, and then they had a really bitter rivalry between whether Mulder and Scully should get together or whether they shouldn't get together. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, so Apparently the, the actors, actors like, yeah. not like each other. Well, she wasn't getting paid enough. I think they like each other now. now. But like, yeah. There was a lot of Bullshit misogyny issues. Yeah, of course, basically. it wasn't. I mean, it ha- still happens now, but yeah. it, in the early nineties, mm. yeah, big times. My dad also loves. Mm. Why well, I'm a nerd. Oh, shout out, Dad! You made me a nerd. This is your fault. This is your episode. <laughs> <laughs> Not my part. You don't. I mean, I guess a little bit. You, yeah. you don't really remember Mortal Kombat. You might be surprised. <laughs> uh, another one. Buffy was fucking oh, noteworthy. Uh, so actually, Whedon and the rest of the show writers used to uh, peruse the show's official message board, which we called the Bronze. And then um, a lot of their decisions, they would look at things and then they would like tease future plots and then change them a different way. And then there was also the term Jost in fanfics, which is um, from Buffy. So if they would be when somebody would be writing where they thought things were going for the next season, and then the next season comes around and it's like, nope, turns out you were wrong, and we went in a completely fucking different direction. That's what being Joss is. Also, so we've got Harry Potter, mm-hmm. which was is a huge fucking like the amount of Harry Potter fan fiction is bonkers. It's ridiculous. Harry Potter was a world with a ton of side characters, and they had just enough steps that you could really flesh them out. And if we're talking about frustrations, well, it's got them in fucking spades. So you don't get credit for a gay character that comes out after your books. Also, stop being a fucking turf bitch. Seriously. Yeah. Fuck you forever and ever. But also, there's a ton of fucking... Like, the Harry Potter fandom is huge. There's... Wizard rock is actually, like, a music genre. There's themed wells. There's wands. You know. It's huge. It's ridiculous. In addition to all of this, during the early 2000s, there was fan Cassandra Clare, who... Cassandra Clare is a current writer for, um... 
the Mortal Instruments series. They ended up making fucking movies and shit about it. Never heard of it. Yes. I only know about it because I, like, they said something about Cassandra Clare, and I was like, oh, hello. Is stuff happening about this? So, uh, in, like, 2001, Cassie stole a lot of fucking work from a lot of other fanfics and put it into their work called the Draco Trilogy, which is obviously a Harry Potter fanfic. But that ended up being Mortal Instruments, if I recall correctly. And if not, you're still stealing a bunch of fucking shit, and then you're stealing a bunch of fucking shit later and putting it into your actual books. But because it's fanfics, you you feel like... Right. Yeah, there's not a leg to stand on. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a huge deal. So Cassie Clare was banned from (laughs) fanfiction.net. Sorry. True facts. Yeah, I remember it happening, and I remember watching it happening and being like, shit! That's also why I've never heard of it, because it's still a Harry Potter thing. Mm -hmm. Not big. No, that's fair. Yeah, Um, and then obviously, as much as I don't want to really talk about it, um, we've got Twilight, and then from Twilight you have fucking Fifty Shades of Grey, Indeed. which is a disaster. And don't worry them; it's a worst. Yeah, I literally think I got dumber by reading Twilight. If you have any desires to read about that sort of kinky shit, there's plenty of actual yeah. good fan fiction yeah. out there that you so, can read for free. Twilight or at all about whatever books. character, and they'll actually do a little bit of fucking research yeah. about how you're supposed to treat people. In a relationship yeah. like that. So Twilight are at all four books. And they just got worse and worse and worse <laughs> and worse. But I'm a completionist usually. Mm-hmm. And then most of the time you would I would read like half the book in hopes that it would somehow turn itself around. Mm-hmm. And it never did. And by then I was like, well, I'm already halfway through. Yeah. So, and I mean, the Twilight books you could read in I was a couple saying, days. Were, I've read really the easy. first Twilight book and they... Yeah, through them like yeah, exactly. So I was like, even the last book, which is the longest book, probably only took me like five (laughs) days to read. So on the other side of vampires, you have fucking Anne Rice, who in recent years came around a little, but in her heyday was vehemently against fan fiction, like super super against fan fiction. Yeah, you can. Do what you do and be against vampires. Well, and also I'm like, you're writing about queer vampires, bitch. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? You're all, even if this, this is a free advertisement. Even if you take out the queer part about it, you're writing about vampires. Vampires. I feel like and all vampires is the queer. one who has been like, vampires are all innately queer. I'm like, if you defined this, like there were a bunch of dumb fandoms that I got into because I read some some person's fanfic that I knew the person, and I was like, it's fine, I'll just read the thing. And then I was like, I guess I'll watch the thing, too. And then I was like, oh, I'm disappointed this is the gay as gay. But I'll stick around, and maybe it will get gayer. <laughs> I hope it gets gayer. Yeah. So, um, knowing fanfics, especially earlier fanfics, when you see a lot of them, they have the disclaimer at the beginning where it's like, I don't own anything yeah. and none of these characters are I'm not making mine. any money off of yeah. this. It's because of both uh, Anne Rice and then there was another writer, Diana Gabaldon, who I don't know what she wrote, but she was very, very against fanfics at the time. On the other hand, there are a lot of creators who have been really uh, positive about fanfic. I just just downloaded a book by 
N.K. Jemison, who she was talking about having written fan fiction before she got into actual factual writing. Catherine Applegate of Animorphs at the Animorphs. Her, so in the last book, in the author's note, she thanked fanfic authors for um, their contribution to the fandom, which is baller. Um, Neil Gaiman is fine with fanfics because he's like, uh, your fan shit isn't going to change my character, so it doesn't really matter. And as long as you aren't making money, that's fine. And also, I won a Hugo Award. This is a direct quote. I won a Hugo Award for a piece of Sherlock Holmes slash H.P. Lovecraft fanfiction, so I'm in favor. <laughs> well, I look at it this way. One... If people are writing fan fiction about your stuff, it means they care enough. Exactly. They're not going to spend this time to put, you know, what they would like from it. They love if they, their yes, exactly. If they didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Second, for people who wrote fanfic and then ended up writing their own stuff, it's a good place to start because trying to write your whole own story with all these characters and all this it's plot scary. is overwhelming. Yeah. So at least you have characters to base it off of. You get the feel for writing things and then you can expand from there. Like yeah. if you are an author and they're like, this person like inspired me and helped me to become who I am today. Like, and if you become a famous author too, like, isn't that something good like something great came isn't that the point of you writing these books for something great to come out of it i feel like it's the same sort of thing as doing fan art where you look at something and you're like i loved this so much that i wanted to do art of it yeah like it's the same thing except for sometimes people pair things a little bit differently um one of the other authors i had tagged uh basically was like what a hardship for me to have that somebody loves my characters yeah. enough to write things about Well, them. it's like imitation is the best Most form, of, form of flattery. Yeah, exactly. Like, mm-hmm. as long as you're not literally just copy and pasting, like... Yeah. Well, and also, it's done for love. Yeah. People are doing this because they love these characters. It's not because they want to make money off of them. No. Most of these people have their own jobs and their own time, and they're just doing it On for... The side. Yeah. And um, another thing that Neil Gaiman brought up is that, like, one of the most important thing an author can do is ask, what if? A fanfiction author is just asking, what if, even further. Yeah. So they're asking, what if this? What if these characters were this way? What if you brought all of these characters and you popped them in a coffee shop or some fucking yep. nonsense like that? all the weird alternate universes out there. Yep. Like, there's so many different ways to play with something and make it more interesting. Absolutely. So Gene Roddenberry was basically, like, really fucking hyped about the idea of fan fiction and also all of the things that were created by Star Trek fans. They talked about how they weren't sure how to appreciate it at first, but eventually we realized that there's no more profound way in which people could express what Star Trek has meant to them by creating their own personal Star Trek things. As a creator, any type of creator, I feel like to look at something and be like, your idea is so good that I want to play with it. Inspiring. Isn't that the point of art? Yeah. To inspire people. No matter what kind of art it is, the point is to inspire. So this is uh, Naoko Teikuchi's response to fan fiction it's a picture but it just says that she's been collecting all this uh, sailor moon fan fiction thanks for everyone who sends it to me and uh, she's so cute she loves it 
She's very into She's it. So, so imagine being the person who's like, I love this. I'm going to write something about it. And then you say it, send it to fucking Naoko Teguchi. And she's like, it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> like, my heart can't deal with this. So, so fucking wonderful. So there are a lot of writers who've gotten into writing more in the last couple of years and have been like, what am I doing? I'm basically writing a fucking fan fiction, and then their writing gets really fucking popular. Michael Chabon, who wrote a novel called Moonglow, described it as a Gravity's Rainbow fanfic. And then Madeline Miller, who wrote The Song of Achilles, which is about Achilles and Patroclus, who are very clearly gay, If you even if you look at the subtext. Um, but that's her, like, fucking, that's what she wrote about and she was worried about it being, like, basically Homeric fanfiction. And then, especially since she had an ex-boyfriend who described it as that. But then you look at the things, like, fucking any of the Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. <laughs> yep. Android Karenina, which is... Abraham Zombie Killer. Exactly. <laughs> um, and also, but also things like any reworkings of Shakespeare. Jean Rice's Wide Sargasso Sea, which is off of... Pride and Prejudice. Basically, what separates these works from Harry Potter fanfiction that you find online is snobbery and misogyny, which, surprise, is zero people. Fanfiction is dominated by women, which is surprising. Zero people. Yeah, so um, for a census of uh, 10,500 AO3 users, which is archive of their own, 80% 80% of the users identified as female, and then uh, 6% were male, and then everybody else identified as something else. So it's mostly female and queer people who identify as something else, or non-binary, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Because we're the ones who are disappointed by fucking <laughs> fiction all the time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Be um, more gay. Yeah. And feminist. For real. So, <laughs> really? <laughs> back to me for a fucking second. No one cares! <laughs> so I was on a bunch of Sailor Moon web rings back Shocking in no the one. old, old days. So basically, weird web rings is how I found out that Sailor Moon was a lot gayer than what I was seeing. And how I was like, oh, I need to like commit to this and start buying or figuring out the actual Japanese version and figuring out where everything is coming from. The manga? Yeah, the manga. <laughs> uh-huh. I had to get into manga. Yeah, so in a way I own my love of Sailor Moon to fandom, obviously, because if I had just watched some sad cousins watching each other <laughs> touching each other's hands below not making carnage bomb sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Why are they doing that? So this brings us to a fun part. Fun <laughs> Help. I'm going home. <laughs> okay. Help, help, help. Then I'm going to say from now on. Fun part. It's <laughs> just been a really fun part. <laughs> Um, this brings us to the fun part of fandom, namely queerness. Yay! Um, here's a quote from another one of those articles that I quoted earlier, which is, uh, what does fanfiction mean to you? 
Fandom, in my head, I've always thought of the word as a fan kingdom, like our own obsessive mini-worlds, is a labor of love. It's a critical way of devouring beloved characters, examining what could, should be different. As a teen, I got into fanfic partially because I was bored of constantly being told by media that only men and women could feel chemistry together. I knew it wasn't true because I felt all sorts of things for other women, and fanfiction was a way for me to write that wrong. Get it? Uh-huh. That's not my joke. That's her joke. But I'm still sticking to it. I'm just giving a disappointed face. I see you all it. Know. Even before fanfiction expanded into the queer fest it can be, it was still about fixing or expanding on aspects of the fandom that felt lacking. In Here We Are, blah, 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 in a book, um, it says that basically you take those characters and you love and reinvent their situations, spend their race and gender, and experiment with their sexuality. Basically, you take those characters and play. You make them the perfect version for you. Exactly. Well, and also you look at them and you're like, oh, the person who created this was very shallow and created it like them, but it doesn't have to be like mm-hmm. them. Or they didn't spend enough time with a specific character that I am semi-relating to, so I'm going to make sure I relate to them even more. True. So we started out talking about Star Trek and how fan fiction started there. Uh, so did Slash fanfic. So Slash is basically that gay shit TM. Character slash character is how it's written online, and that became part of the vernacular. According to Thick, Star Trek fanfic began in zines. Fans found the dynamic between Skirk, Skirk. <laughs> between Kirk and Spock. That's their ship name. I'm pretty sure it's Spurk. I Skirk like Skirk is... better. <laughs> but basically, so fans found the dynamic between Kirk and Spock engaging, and since no female characters were shown as equals to either of the show's leading men, the best way to explore romance with either character was to pair them together. These stories became known within the fandom itself, and creator Gene Roddenberry acknowledged the slash pairing existence in 1779. One of the biggest reasons why fanfiction gets so much traction and why it is today. Basically, there are a lot of characters that are more fleshed out, and it's easier to ship those characters, but also it's easier to flesh out the characters that weren't given enough fucking time or enough enough depth that were just love interests or this and that. So it gives you a place to make these characters into something that they should be. And it takes the decisions away from the people who are on top and in charge, all the CEOs who are like, obviously straight shit, blah blah blah. And since a lot of the time most of the characters are assumed to be straight, but none of them come out and say, hey, I'm boring and heterosexual, so there's no reason to make any assumptions, um, so go fucking nuts. Also, yes, this has nothing to do with gay ships. It's fine. But it has to do with the fact that people started pairing Kirk and Spock because uh, Hura, who was one of the only females, was a strong enough female to be like, she's not just some dude's side piece. She's like, fuck you. I know what I am. Screw you. You two can go make out and I'm going to do my thing over here because I'm a badass bitch. Yeah. 
that like fair maiden, she's like, sorry, neither. Is <laughs> it not? No. Which is an improvised line, which is the best part of that fucking thing yes. in the entire world. So a huge, I went on to AO3 to check their demographics on things, and basically their heterosexual ships, they had 1,480,000, blah, blah, blah. Female and female ships, it's 500,000, which what a bummer. Come on, guys. I know, right? Pull your weight. Male ships, it's three fucking million. And then general with nothing is one million, one thousand, blah, blah, blah. Now, what about my dedicated threesomes in my barbershop quartet? That was in Monty, and I didn't pull that up, but that's definitely in there. I was like, because a lot of the fics I read have more than two people involved. Sometimes you look at a love triangle and you're like, this is dumb. Why there's no all? need for there is Yell never look there's never need for a love triangle dedicated threesome is the way to go You're just nose. fuck each other <laughs> that's my advice to you sounds fair unless one of you really don't like each other yeah, but no, like that's also fair that's too. different but then there's like you could also be poly and somebody could just be fucking both of you and You're it doesn't like, really matter Everyone's a little poly. So why is so much of fucking fanfiction gay? And because they don't put enough gay in real things. That's so just let us be gay. Most people are a little bit gay. So that is, and if you're not, you're boring, which we've already talked about. One of my <laughs> actual fucking reasons. So I'll just let you take that one. well and also like the thing about being queer and recognizing that you're queer is that you recognize that everybody's fucking queer yeah and that like because you accept the fact that you're queer yeah and then you're like oh it's it's so you're like oh yeah everybody is yeah but the people who are like no you're either boring or you're lying to yourself Mm -hmm. it's okay don't let fucking society tell you it's not and another big reason is because there's a lack of queer content and the people who are making fanfic are by and large women and non-binary folk and a lot of them are queer. So they took a poll in 2017 on AO3 and um, 29% of the women on there labeled themselves as heterosexual and women. And then literally everybody else labeled themselves as something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not a, like, large amount of people who are like, I'm into men, but also I'm into men banging. Most of us are like, hey, I don't know if you've looked at these characters, but they have a lot of fucking subtext. And the subtext isn't very sub these days. (laughs) Have you seen them interact at all? Clearly they're doing it. Yeah. And also, you have so many people who are like... Well, why don't you just make your own fucking shit? And fanfic is basically you taking those characters and being like, fine, I will. Mm-hmm. Bitch, what are you going to fucking do? And then, so uh, another big reason for why there's so much slash fanfiction, specifically uh, male, <laughs> male on male, is that for the most part, those are the characters that they actually fucking give any like motivation to, any dreams to, any fears to. These are the characters that actually get fleshed out. And it's easier to pair them together than it is to take a female character that was just written in as love interest and create a completely different character. Like, you have to do a lot more work that mm-hmm. way. So, you know, it makes sense. 
I would be remiss if I didn't bring up that none of these demographics bring up uh, the race of the characters. And um, in the same way that male characters are fleshed out and given agency in a way that female characters rarely are, there are a lot of issues with shipping more white characters together rather than looking at the obvious character that could have been there. I feel like fan fiction is a place where it gives us a place to right the wrongs of poorly written fucking yes. characters. Band-Aid! Female character- exactly. <laughs> Band-Aid. That's exactly it. So it's not just every main white dude that gets like to be a person. Ugh. Nowadays, uh, fan fiction is pretty common knowledge. There's a lot of fan fiction writers that are being published as like real writers. E.L. James is one of them. Uh, Neil Gaiman just admitted to writing fan fiction when he was younger. It was, I wish I remember what it was. But yeah, not everybody knows that it can be really well written and interesting and that it's not all uh, incredibly depraved porn, though let's be real, it's not like it's out there and it's not like it's not incredibly well organized for your perusing. Also, I'm reading a fanfic. There's definitely gonna be some porn in it. Why am I here? Or else, why am I here? Because sex is a real part of life. Yeah. So basically, fan fiction is not a ripoff of the original material, but it's both a transformation and an expansion of text born out of love. This is a quote, obviously, by the way. <laughs> um, and fan fiction can be extraordinarily well written, and it's very much worth defending. Uh, and also, at this point in my life, I've probably been reading fan fiction for 20 fucking I years. I don't think it's been 20 years for me, because yeah. I'm a few years younger than you, but I think it's probably been, like, 17 years. Mm-hmm. So. It's bonkers. Yeah. All right. Uh, that was fun. But yeah. That was a fun topic. Exactly. I don't know. It's an interesting history, yeah. and I didn't get into any of the, like, weird ship wars or nonsense like which that. Which is fine, which is perfect. Because, there's there's a lot. Yeah. I want to talk about the fun parts of yeah. it. Yeah. All right. That was episode 15. 15. We have some lobster mac and cheese waiting yeah. for us, so we're going to fucking... Fuck up. Fuck you guys. <laughs> but, um, hey, rate, review, and subscribe for us. Thanks, huh? friends. Five stars telling us we're the best. We're on... Um, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find us on Podbean if you need to. Mm-hmm. We are also on the ESO network. And yeah, good time. See you next Tuesday. Don't take my fucking See you. I never get to say anything. I know yeah. because you end it awkwardly. Because so I ruin everything. <laughs> we'll see you next Tuesday. I don't know. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the TeePublic store, which can all be found at ESONetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.